What up, world? Pass first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 20% off your next order. Got an awesome show for you today. Blazers just beat the Dallas Mavericks to win their fourth straight game. I want to talk about what we've learned during this Blazers winning streak. Uh, we've This team is better than I thought they were going to be. That is for sure. I don't want to overreact you know, too much to this stretch, but it's undeniable that they're playing well. So let's, let's kind of suss out the trends and who is responsible for the way they're playing. It's not just Damian Lillard, but certainly that man deserves some credit. That's what we'll do in the first segment. In the second segment, I want to revisit something that we've looked at recently, but it's worth revisiting after the win against the Dallas Mavericks. It's how the Blazers performed without Damian Lillard on the court. Uh, The dameless minutes, as I've called them. I think it's the most important stat of the year, so we'll revisit that in the second segment. And then to close out the show, we'll revisit Western Conference tiers. It's sort of of like my version of power rankings, but I think ranking teams is... uh, a little bit arbitrary while grouping them into tiers gives us a sense of sort of where teams stand. So that's what we'll do in the third segment. Look at the Western Conference playoff tiers now that we're more than more than a quarter of the way through this bad boy. We're about a, a third of the way through and keeping on trucking. So that's what we'll do in the third segment. So we'll look at playoff tiers. But what I want to do here is just talk about what we learned. The Blazers won 121-118 in Dallas on Sunday night. Their fourth straight win. They've won six of seven. They... My, what a what a week it's been. This time last week, the Blazers had put up an absolute dud to close out a road trip in New York. Uh, you know, it was kind of a very end of the road trip, early afternoon, East Coast game, but doesn't it feel like miles away from where they are now? This Sunday evening, while I record this podcast, a, a week later, wins over or, a bad Orlando team, but taking care of business is important. A clutch win against Philadelphia, maybe their best win of the season performance-wise. A blowout over a bad Cavs team. It's been a while since the Blazers just beat the snot out of a bad team, and they did that on Friday night against the lowly Cleveland Cavaliers. And then to kick off a road trip at Dallas and hold on to win this game when the offense looked like it was wilting in the fourth quarter and they delivered late. Damian Lord, a, a clutch three-pointer. I want to talk about his clutch numbers here in a second. And then Carmelo Anthony, Blazers had the ball with thirty, just under 30 seconds left. There's about a two-second difference between the shot and game clock. They wanted to run the ball down. Dallas wasn't going to foul. They are just going to play it out with Blazers clinging to a one-point lead. Carmelo Anthony got doubled left wing above the three-point line. Terrible double team by Tim Hardaway Jr., but you take it where you can get it. Melo steps through, finds Derek Jones Jr. under the rim. A layup. Blazers go up three. Luka Doncic missed a wide, butt-naked, wide-open three on the other end, and the Blazers survived. This was just a good win. Even if even if they got a little lucky at the end, this was a good win to beat. Dallas is struggling a little bit, but they're good. Um, they're they're on they're about on this on par with the Blazers. We'll talk about playoff tiers. Hint, hint. Dallas and Portland in the same tier here in the third segment. But beating beating a tough team, beating a good team on the road in the manner in which they did, it's. Uh, it was just impressive. Uh, I don't want to go too too granular into this spe- specific game. I'd rather zoom out a little bit. So let's just let's zoom out a little bit. First of all, Damian Lillard just just really good again. The dude is good at basketball, y'all. Um, he's probably not in the MVP conversation, but he's like one of the. He'll be the guy everyone says he should be in the MVP conversation. That's the kind of the the year that Dame is having. He's just been fantastic, and he's dragging this team to heights or pulling this team to heights that they otherwise wouldn't be. He's he's been fantastic. Thirty four and eleven in this one, and a crucial 
crucial three late in this one. Speaking of crucial threes, Damian Lillard is, is, has been fantastic in clutch situations. The NBA defines clutch situations as games that are within five points in the final five minutes. And in those games this season, Damian Lillard is shooting 55% from the floor, 41.7% from three, and a perfect 21 for 21 from the free throw line. He's got a better than two to one assist to turnover ratio in those minutes. And the Blazers are nine and three in 12 games that have gone into clutch time. That's nine clutch wins engineered by Damian Lord, who is fourth in the league in clutch points. De'Aaron Fox, LeBron James, Zach Levine, if you're looking for the top three. Dame just is what he is. Like, you know that he's clutch, but the numbers back it up. And this was another one where the Blazers had nine points about seven minutes into the fourth quarter. They'd built themselves a big cushion with an awesome third quarter, you know, 45 in the third, but but they needed Dame down the stretch, and he delivered. He scored seven of their final 11 points, and he was fantastic. Uh, he's, he's just a joy to watch, um, so make sure you're appreciating him. The other things we've learned during this Blazers uh, four-game four run, and I'm going to zoom out a little bit further over their last seven games. They're six and one of their last seven games. Two things we've learned. Absolutely. We've learned more than this, but two things I want to harp on here. One, Gary Trent Jr. is a baller. Dude can play. No questions asked. Like, he can he can just play. In, over the last seven games, he's averaging 20 points, shooting 49.2% from three on 8.4 attempts per game. He doesn't fill out the rest of the box score, you know, two assists, three and a half rebounds. But... He can score off the dribble. He's got a really nice mid-range game. And he's averaging 20 a game on 45-50-83 splits. That's 45 from the floor, 50% from three. I'm rounding up from 49.2, y'all. And 83.3% from the free throw line. He's he's just a, he's a starting caliber NBA player. Like, he's just a starting caliber two guard. I, early on, it looked like Gary Trent was struggling a little bit. But I think there's just he's just so damn reliable. I think like we just, we just know that now. Uh, the other thing we know is that Carmelo Anthony's not dead. This time last week, he had put up an absolute dud in New York. Absolute dud. He was terrible. In fact, uh, two of the questions on the Mon- on the mailbag Monday that came just two days later was, is Car- is it like, are the Blazers forced to play the worst guaranteed minutes rotation player in the league? And when can when can Terry Stotts move off being a steward of Carmelo Anthony's legacy and bench him down the stretch? And quite frankly, Stotts had already kind of leaned into playing Carmelo Anthony a little bit less, but Melo's been balling, even including that dud in New York where he was terrible, terrible. He's the worst blazer on the floor. Over his last seven games, Carmelo Anthony's averaging 18.6 points 40, on 47.5% shooting, 43.6% from three, 83 from the free throw line. Again, he's not filling up the rest of the box score. Three boards, assists and a half. But the Blazers have outscored their opponents when Melo's on the court over those last seven minutes. I think a lot of times he can put up some impressive scoring numbers, but maybe gives it back on the other end. He's got his flaws, y'all. He takes some weird post-ups that he shouldn't. He steps into some three-pointers that you would rather him maybe look the other way. There's some no-pass possessions when Carmelo Anthony gets it, but he has he is he ain't dead yet. He's averaging 18.5 points in 25.5 minutes per game over his last seven. Like, he's just, he's 
He's settling into right in that range. I think 25 minutes is a really reasonable number for him to play. You'd be it'd be nice if it was 20, right? And with their when they're totally healthy, but he's playing. He's not racking up 30 plus minutes a night and and hurting this team. He's been efficient. He's still they're still giving him the ball with the second unit and letting him go to work. He's been a little bit better at facilitating out of those post ups. And he's just if he's gonna score 18 points per game and shoot 45 percent from three. You just kind of got to take what he does on the other end. This is as good as you can expect him to play in year 18. And I know that the lows are low and obvious, and he's he's got some real flaws. But even then, I was defending him and saying they don't have a better option. And now it's not even that. It's not like, hey, let's let's go see Nas. Nas Nazir Little couldn't do this. He couldn't soak up the possessions. He couldn't get these he couldn't get these many shots off in an NBA game. Like I don't think you could just throw the ball into Nas and have him get 14 attempts a night. It'd be um, that t- that is a skill in and of itself. Uh, listen, what we've learned about this team is that, and I asked Terry Stotts this in the post game, and he gave me a terrible answer. I was going to use the quote on air here, but he just he he let me down. Um, <laughs> it's what he does. But he he said basically that it, he hasn't learned much about this team because he already knew that they were deep and talented. I'm calling bullshit on that because maybe you believe that they were deep, but. Now your depth is being tested. And maybe you knew this team was talented, but again, you knew this team was talented at the top half of the roster and you thought that the the bottom half of the roster was deep enough to sort of make up for it if you could mix and match on nights. They don't mix and match anymore. They play nine guys. They played eight in the second half against against Dallas. They got a they got a limited bench and a limited group and they're winning and playing well and and beating Philly and Dallas are convincing wins. So while Stotts maybe doesn't want to admit that he's learned anything, I think we have. We knew Dame was a superstar. He keeps confirming it. We all thought Gary Trent Jr. looked like an NBA starter, and boy howdy does he look like an NBA starter. A rebound on Luka Doncic's butt-naked three-pointer to seal the game. Got tipped out of his hands, but secures a, secures a defensive rebound to seal the game there with three seconds left. And Carmelo Anthony, for all his flaws is still an NBA contributor and can contribute to winning. During this stretch, he hit game-winning free throws at Philadelphia and a game-winning assist at Dallas when a double team came, kind of a sloppy double team, like I mentioned at the top of the show, but he but he still stepped through it and he made the right pass, made the smart read when he saw, you know, if there's two on the ball, somebody's open, found Derek Jones Jr. under the rim. What we've learned is that the Blazers are... Maybe the depth was real, but now that their depth is being stretched, they have real, they have serious contributors. I haven't even mentioned Ennis Cantor, who he deserves, we'll give him 10 seconds here to close out the segment, but dude is just a monster. He, he, he does what he does so darn well, and he has held, he's held down the middle for the Blazers, has not been overwhelmed on defense. They're not a particularly good defensive team, but he hasn't been absolutely terrible, and on the other end, he's the best offensive rebounder in the league. The Blazers have they all they needed to do was tread water. And on this four-game winning streak, they are so they are so much further ahead than treading water. They are I don't have a good swimming metaphor, but they're they're Katie Ledecky on these fools. They're they're doing they're doing well in the pool. I should have abandoned this while I was ahead. Let's go to the second segment so I don't have to think more about swimming metaphors that I don't quite have a grasp on. But the point is here is that the Blazers are led by their superstar and what we've seen over the last 10 days over a little more than little more than uh, a week is that this group has de- has real dependability outside of Damian Lillard something that I don't think we all thought 
when I was recording last Sunday. All right, second segment, let's talk about that dependability. The most important stat for the Blazers is how they perform when Damian Lillard is on the bench. The dameless minutes is the most important statistical measure for this team all season long. Let's let's talk about what they did against Dallas and a general update since the last time we spoke. But before we get there, I want to tell y'all about Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. NFL season is done. You missed out on the Super Bowl. Maybe you didn't, but it doesn't matter because there's NBA games every night, college basketball and the NHL are in full swing, and Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV, you name it, you can bet on it if you head over to betonline.ag. They've got real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. They even got you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. When you use the promo code LOCKEDON, you'll also get a 50% welcome bonus. So head on over to the website, betonline.ag. You can go there on your computer or use your mobile device. Sign up today. Use that promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Lockdown Blazers, we got you covered for all things Portland basketball. That's a royal we. I got you covered. But you might be asking, Mike, what about the rest of the sports? Well, good news. Locked on The Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with the new show, Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. So make sure you make sure you subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you already get podcasts. All right, in the first segment, we talked what we learned during this Blazers little mini run. They've won six of seven, uh, and f- including four in a row. But the thing I've been tracking all year long, and I want to give you all an update because it's what I do. I didn't make this spreadsheet not to not to give you a sweet, sweet update each week, but it's how the Blazers perform when Damian Lillard isn't on the court. Um, the, the sort of brief explainer here, the 10-second version, is that when he sits, he's going to sit for 12 minutes a game. If the Blazers get crushed in those minutes, it's, it is asking too much of him to try to win these games. So it doesn't matter what he does when he's on the court, right? Because if the Blazers get crushed when Dame plays, it doesn't matter. They're not deep enough, not good enough to, to hold their own. But if they can survive, if they can uh, play pretty well when he's on the bench, they can win any game. If they can get to about zero and above, uh, you know, hold teams to even when he's on the bench, he he's good enough to carry the Blazers home. So what have they been doing during this four-game win streak? Well, in an ugly win over Orlando, the Blazers were outscored by one point when Damian Lillard was on the bench. That game was just gross. Um, the Blazers didn't play particularly well. Orlando's not good enough offensively with all their injuries to kind of get back in. So the, the Portland was never really threatened, but they couldn't pull away. Um, and, you know, Dame did enough. They, they ended up winning the game by eight. And uh, in his brief time on the bench, the Blazers were outscored by one point. That's that's fine. Minus one, minus two, Dame can overcome that. It's the sort of big negative numbers where it gets a little dicey. Say like when they were outscored by five against New York and they ended up losing by 11. They just, they got to keep themselves in, in shouting distance. But then in the Blazers' absolute best game of the season against best win of the season. I know they beat the Lakers earlier this year, but that seems like ages ago. And the roster was different. This was the game against Philly was their best win of the season. 
when Dame was out, he sat 12 minutes in that game. And your Portland Trailblazers reserves outscored the Philadelphia 76ers by 12 points. When Dame played, Portland was minus eight with him on the court. Philly was really good. Ben Simmons did a wonderful job. You know, Damian Lord didn't shoot well in that game. Six for 21, he missed 15 shots. But the Blazers reserves basically won that game on their own with a couple dominant stretches in the second and fourth quarters. Plus 12 and 12 minutes with Dame on the bench. And you win a game by four. That's, that is not the formula. Like, I'm not saying, like, kick the other, dominate the other team's bench. Like, that's too much to ask. I'm not looking at Harry Giles and say, hey, dog, dominate. I'm looking at Harry Giles and saying, hey, man, just play pretty well. If you can play pretty well, old superhero wearing the letter O will come back and save you. They went above and beyond. That Philly game was just so much fun because the Blazers got outsized contributions from guys you wouldn't expect. After that game, particularly, everyone on the Blazers kind of went out of their way to praise Harry Giles. And uh, it, it he wasn't the only one, but I think he's kind of the, if we're talking about rotation, he's the weakest link right now in that group. Plus 12 against Philly from in the Dameless minutes. Huge win. Against uh, Cleveland, Dame didn't play in the fourth quarter. This was a good old-fashioned uh, butt whooping. The Cavs are... Um, they're the worst worst offensive team in the league. They just can't score. Um, they can win games when Colin Sexton goes off. They can win games when Darius Garland hits a bunch of three-pointers. But if they don't get the scoring from those two guards, they have trouble getting buckets. Dame didn't play in the fourth. He was plus 20 through three quarters. When he was on the court, the bench was a cool plus three. That's why he didn't have to play in the fourth because he gave him a 20-point lead and the bench didn't give any of it back. That is the recipe for a blowout. But in the Dameless Minutes at Dallas, this was a huge, huge game for the Blazers bench, right? Because Dallas isn't super deep. They're having trouble scoring when Luka's not on the court. They're having trouble scoring when it isn't just Luka running the show himself. Uh, they're just they're not getting quite enough offense from Chris Dapps. Their second-best offensive player might be Jalen Brunson, and that's Tim Hardaway Jr. on good nights. I mean, that's, um, that's a big task for those two. But the Blazers in the first half were outscored by seven points. Dame sat for six minutes and one second. They were up nine when he went to the bench at the end of the first quarter. He came back. They were only up two. It was pretty close from there on. Like those those points that they gave away, those seven points they gave away in the, in his six minutes on the bench in the in the second quarter was why this game was so close throughout. But he still played his normal normal minutes. You know, Terry's not going to panic. He's not going to treat this particular game like, you know, Dame needs to play the whole second half or anything like that. He just, he, he kind of has to, um, he has to treat them all the same just because of how shorthanded and how much Dame is going to be asked to do regardless. Uh, you can't play him 24 straight minutes. He needs his rest. He got his normal rest to begin the fourth quarter. And the Blazers bench was only outscored by one point kept this team in the game after a 45-point third quarter, a, a really, really dominant showing, outscored uh, Dallas 45-13. Blazers were only outscored by one to start the fourth quarter before Dame came back in. Fourth quarter wasn't exactly a masterpiece by any means. They only scored 18 points total. It's, they kind of just held on enough to make it happen. They were up 12 after three and, and, and survived, but you know only scoring 18 points. So you can put this game against Dallas in a in a rare category. Since I've been tracking this, since CJ and Nurk have both been out, the Blazers, when they have been outscored in Dame's minutes, have lost. They lost to the Spurs, lost to the Thunder, lost at Houston, got smoked at Milwaukee. They've won, t- lost at New York. They've won now 
two games, excuse me, three games in which they have been outscored in Dame's in minutes where Dame's on the bench. Uh, Dame was just really good in an all-offense game at at Washington. They were outscored by 11 points, but he was a plus 22. Um, they didn't have an answer for him. Apologies to Russell Westbrook, who couldn't couldn't stop your boy. Minus one against Orlando. There needs to be some sort of marker for if they if they get it, you know, into the in the one basket range. But and then tonight at at Dallas, minus eight. So that's three wins since I've been tracking this. Where the Blazers have been outscored in in the minutes where Dame sits, and this is this is their best win of that bunch because Washington is truly terrible, and so is Orlando. This was against a, a a team that I think will compete for the Western Conference Western Conference playoff spot. It's gonna be right in there, and they win while getting outscored by eight. It was really because they only got outscored by one in the second half. They they held their own after a dominant third quarter and kind of kept that door open so Dame could deliver and Melo could deliver and all those things. Uh, you. This game doesn't come down to the clutch without sort of a clunker in the fourth quarter to begin the fourth quarter. But if that if that bench unit gets smoked to open the fourth quarter like they had gotten beat up when they did to open the second quarter, then then the Blazers don't get to hold on and make shots and make free throws. Then they're in scramble mode. That's why it's the most important stat for the Blazers all season. I'm going to keep on tracking it. I'll try to update it on each Sunday show from moving forward, particularly if it's notable. I think it was notable in this one. If it's... Um, I'm not going to beat you, beat you over the head with it if it's not particularly notable, but I think this Dallas game, winning a game in which they lost the dameless minutes by eight, was important. This is this is a relatively rare win. Uh, like I said, not necessarily their formula. They got good bench production, but they didn't produce well when Dame sat, and those Dame minutes will define their season going forward. So I will keep updating you. All right, what I want to do to close out the show is talk about Western Conference playoff tiers. I have divided all 15 teams into tiers. I've done this before, but I've uh, these are updated tiers. So that's what we'll do to close out the show. Where do the Blazers rank in my my newly updated tiers? But first, let's talk about Bilt Bar. Y'all know Bilt Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. And if you don't know Bilt Bar and you're a new listener, let me tell you right now, make sure you're listening close. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. That's what they're doing. That's the trick. The good folks at Bilt Bar made a delicious protein bar. It comes in 18 amazing flavors, all of which are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. They got that candy bar-like texture. If you have dabbled in the world of protein bars in the past, you know they can be chalky and dry and gross. You get a Bilt Bar, There's nothing. none of those adjectives apply. They're just delicious. They taste great. And if the taste doesn't sell you, what if I told you that all of them are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber? Great for any of you on a keto diet trying to maintain ketosis? Grab a Built Bar. Tastes great. Good for you. Go get yourself some. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listen to Locked On Blazers. And if you like this show, why don't you check out Locked On NBA? On Monday's show, Josh Lloyd, host of the wildly popular Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast, takes you around the NBA's major headlines with the help of the local experts. So make sure you subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you already get podcasts. All right, so we talked what we've learned during the Blazers' winning streak, last couple weeks of Blazers playing well, what we've seen, the obvious trends. Dame Ballin, Mellow Ballin, Gary Trent Jr. is an NBA starter. Ennis Cantor just keeps doing what he does at a really high level. 
We talked about the dameless minutes, what I think is the most important stat for the Blazers, the most telling stat for the Blazers, and they defied that stat on against Dallas on Sunday evening. They won a game where they didn't play well in the dameless minutes, but they played just well enough in the second half to leave the door open for them to do what they do and play with one of the great clutch scorers in the league. Damian Lillard didn't have to tap his wrist because you already know what time it is. I'm not tapping my wrist either, but it's now time for the Western Conference playoff tiers. I've divided all 15 teams in the West into tiers. We've done this in the past, but I'm updating them. I'm kind of treating this like uh, power rankings, but I think saying this team is the is the third best team in the West and this team is fourth is um, just inviting people to be upset. It's just like um, it's too arbitrary because the for me the difference in three and seven is is relatively close. So I think putting these teams into tiers is a better way to sort of figure out where the where the Blazers are in the West, where they are in the playoff landscape. Um, it's too early to like really talk about playoff seedings, but talking about positioning and where you are is important because the Blazers, I think we all thought, at least maybe the most optimistic among us, thought thought the Blazers would be right here, but I thought they'd be a little bit lower and I thought they would be um, positioning themselves for a real scramble. They, they're not in a real scramble and they look like a competitive team. Uh, to be clear, these tiers are what's happening now with the team. I'm taking into account cur- how they're currently playing, how healthy they are, all those things. In the top tier, we've got three teams. We've got the Lakers, the Jazz, and the Clippers. I think the Lakers and the Jazz are clearly better regular season teams than the Clipper than the Clippers are right now. But I, the Clippers are just—they just have a lot of talent. Um, I thought about bumping them down, but I'm—I'm I'm a believer in—I'm a believer in the—in—in in their talent at least as far as it goes for being. I think they're one of the three teams in the West who can legitimately win a championship. You will note. I did not have the Jazz in this tier before because I was maybe not a believer that they were this good, but they are so damn good. They've won 17 of 18, and in the one game they lost, Denver made 16 of the first 17 threes. So the only way to beat the Jazz right now is to have an absolutely historic shooting night. Jazz just move the ball really well. Um, they just they can they pass, they defend at a high level, but they're they're a historically good three-point shooting team. That's that's the thing that I don't think people are are harping on enough. This is like 2016 Warriors, 2017 Houston Rockets, like historically good three-point shooting team. Um with a really, really good defensive player guiding their their defense. Uh they're they're blowing teams out right now. The Jazz, um, they are I have my some of my doubts, I guess, when we really get into sort of playoff level basketball, but the, I cannot put them not in the top tier in the West. They're fantastic. Lakers speaks for themselves. I mean, they're just, they're really good. And the Clippers, who I thought about knocking down a tier, I'm, I'm still keeping them in there, but the tipper, Clippers, you're on my watch list. Tier two is one team. It's the Phoenix Suns. So I thought about dropping Phoenix down into, or sort of moving everyone up into this tier two, but I think Phoenix is is just playing better than the rest of these group. Um, they're not a title contender in my opinion, but they're just really good. Um, Chris Paul helps teams win. Devin Booker's getting healthy and playing well. Uh, DeAndre Ayton can do some things. I I have my reservations about him as a dominant player, but he can do some things. They're getting good minutes from Frank Kaminsky, which is a weird thing to say on this podcast. Their wings are fantastic. Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson. Uh, Cam went to the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, shout out. Uh, they're just, uh, the 
Phoenix is, to me, very, very clearly the fourth best team in the West, so they get their own tier, tier two. Tier three is a big group. Portland, Denver, Dallas, San Antonio, Golden State, tier three. I think all five of these teams are right at the same level. Uh, any given night, I'd pick one. Denver was up in tier two before, but they just can't get any consistency outside Nikola Jokic. What's up with Jamal Murray? Dog, Jamal. Pretend you're in Orlando or whatever. Uh, I read an interesting story on The Athletic that suggests that in Orlando, uh, Jamal Murray got to take five-hour naps each day, and with all the COVID testing, he can't nap as much, and maybe that is leading to his inconsistent play. That might be a little too much for me, but I love the idea that Jamal Murray needs to basically hibernate in the middle of the day to be an elite basketball player. I love that. Get, I hope one day we can get back to letting Jamal Murray hibernate. But I think Denver deserves to be down here. I mean, they're just they're they're not consistent. Dallas, uh, they start they've started to play better after really really being stinky for the last, for the prior three weeks. But they're I think they're talented enough. I think I don't know when we worry about Chris Porzingis being bad, but uh, Luca can carry this team to be at least on the same level of the rest of this group. The Blazers probably, if they were fully healthy, would be a full tier clear of these of these teams, but they're not. And um, you can't convince me after watching Sunday night's game that they're like way, 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 way better than Dallas as they currently stand. The Blazers are are surprisingly good, but they're right here in this third tier. They're right here in the sort of, you know, fifth through ninth range in the West. It's going to be a really, really competitive for those for those playoff spots. And, and the Blazers have proved they belong. Uh, San Antonio, they just do what they do. DeMar DeRozan's been excellent. Uh maybe having one of the real underrated seasons in the league. He's just, the Spurs keep on winning and he is the engine. Steph Curry gets a bunch of national love and he deserves it. Uh, he's he's putting up numbers similar to his unanimous MVP campaign. Uh, he just doesn't play with as good teammates. So he's not, um, it's, it's not translating to wins in the same way, but he's fantastic. And Golden State is still right there. I think those five teams are all pretty much equal. Tier four, uh, I didn't know what to do with Sacramento. I kind of want to bump them up to tier three because I think they're competitive, but I just, I worry about their consistency. I worry about their depth. De'Aaron Fox is fantastic. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton is a joy to watch. Buddy Heald has even like turned himself into a competent, at least a, a less than, a less than terrible defensive player. Uh, but they're still, they're the top of tier four is where I'd put them. Along uh, in that group is New Orleans, who just they just can't play enough defense for it to matter, um, and they're a little bit weird. Their crunch time offense is a little bit weird. Uh, Memphis, if they could get healthy, I think they would jump up a tier, but they just they can't quite get there and, and get consistent production. You know, no Brandon Clark to go along with, no Justice Winslow, no Jaron Jackson Jr. When Memphis is healthy, they're going to move up a tier. They're not healthy right now. Also in this tier four, Houston and Oklahoma City. Houston just. With no Christian Wood, they're not nearly as good. Now they're missing Victor Oladipo. It's just, um, they need, the, when they have all of their current players, they're a competitive team. I think they're a tier three team, but they don't have those guys. They're a tier four team. That's just the truth of it. Also in tier three, making an appearance is OKC. They just refuse to lose. Now they don't have a bunch of players who you know who they are. Who is Hami Diallo? Who is Darius Baisley? You probably know Lou Dort, but who is Lou Dort? Like, who are these fools? Shea Jills Alexander, you you know, he's he's fantastic, but they just they're just a competitive group. They belong in this tier. There's no way you can convince me they're worse than Sacramento, New Orleans, Memphis, and Houston. And if they are, they're not they're not a full they're not a full step down. And then there's the last team in the West. We're not going to talk about them just yet, but the Wolves tier, 
Team number 15 is the Wolves. Um, it's their tier alone. They were in this tier last time. They're still there. They're still bad. D'Angelo Russell, not healthy. Carl Anthony Towns, healthy now, or healthier now. Wolves won tonight, so they're maybe threatening to move up out of their own uh, personal seller. But for now, the Wolves belong in the Wolves tier. That's how I rank the West teams. I think there's three at the top. I think there's a clear four, and then I think five through nine is really crowded. And the Blazers, the Blazers as currently constructed, as as with their health woes as they are, with basically a nine-man rotation and eight guys in the second half. Uh, Rodney Hood didn't play on Sunday night uh, against the Dallas Mavericks, didn't dress, was not was not available due to a foot injury. So the Blazers played nine, nine guys in, in the first half with Nazir Little getting a brief cameo, and they only went to an eight-man rotation in the second half with just three gentlemen coming off the bench. And even with that crew, even with that very, very uh, slim rotation, this is... At, at, for me, this is at worst the ninth best team in the West and arguably the fifth best team in the West. They're right there in that sort of tier three team. They're, we'll, I'll revisit this again. We'll kind of um, do this tier ranking maybe every 10 days or so. I'm not going to do it weekly because I think that's maybe too fast of an update. But every five games or so, we'll, we'll revisit these tiers. Uh, I didn't think the Blazers would be here. I thought they'd be down a step. So enjoy this while you can. They're playing really well. They've... You know, they're not perfect. They could have easily lost tonight, but they didn't. And finding ways to win is their formula. Uh, when you play with a guy like Dame, you're always going to have a puncher's chance. And he's been really good. They continue this road trip later this week at OKC on Tuesday and at New Orleans on Wednesday. Those are two Tier 4 teams, in my opinion. Blazers can win both of those games. That that. No guarantees, certainly. Second night of a back-to-back in, in New Orleans, not an easy game, but winnable games ahead of them, and they're playing well. They're playing better than I thought they could. This is a this is a bona fide Tier 3 team that when healthy could be Tier 2. Does that is that exciting? I try to make that exciting. This sounds kind of boring. But listen, they're playing really well, y'all. They're playing really well. Let's, let's enjoy it. Uh, we'll revisit these tiers in the future. Mailbag Monday is coming up tomorrow. It's our weekly mailbag show for new listeners. We've, we're going to do two of these a week. They're getting a little bit, the mailbag's getting full. So we're going to have a mailbag Monday show. I recorded on Monday nights, posted on Tuesdays. We'll have another one later in the week. So don't fret, send in your questions. I'll get to them. I promise if you want to get involved, two ways to do it at Mike G rich on Twitter, just send me a tweet or email the show locked on at gmail.com. Tell your friends about this podcast. Tell them they can get wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Locked on Blazers. We'll be there waiting for you. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.